Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, good morning, everybody. And I'll tell you what, this Ohio State-Nebraska game has a chance to be perhaps a little bit more entertaining and a little bit tighter than a lot of people are uh, expecting. Ohio State has an opponent this week that's not necessarily the kind of team that you think they're just going to roll over. For whatever reason, Ohio State and Nebraska seem to play each other as regularly as uh, a team that's within the division. Ohio State has seen the Cornhuskers with, which I think now since 2016, so we're talking a, a sixth consecutive season. Everybody remembers last year's season opener after the COVID pandemic uh, canceled the season and then brought it back again. It was a memorable day for the Buckeyes winning at the Horseshoe. They've obviously got a lot riding on the line this week, considering they don't have any wiggle room. And they found out this past Tuesday they're the number five ranked team in the country in the college football playoff. We've got a preview and prediction for the Buckeyes and the Cornhuskers coming up right here on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Happy Friday morning. Thanks for spending it with us here on Buckeyes Now, Buckeye Breakdown, the podcast. It gives you a, a great look at what's coming up with the Buckeyes and the Cornhuskers here this coming weekend. I'm Brendan Gulick alongside our coach, Tommy Zagorski. Coach, we're on the road. We've got, uh, we got a chance to finally go cover the team in person on the road. It's taken a, a few chances, but we're finally ready to do that. And uh, looking forward to being in Lincoln for Saturday afternoon's game. Uh, and maybe that's that's one of the odd places to start with this. It's a Saturday afternoon game in Lincoln. Since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, the Buckeyes have never played Nebraska at Nebraska other than at night. And so they've got a chance to play them on Saturday at, I guess it'll be 11 a.m. local time, 12 noon Eastern time. What uh, what do you think are the unique challenges about trying to come to Lincoln at a, you know and basically playing a morning game? Yeah, one of the things about, Brendan, the, the Husker Nation and Lincoln, Nebraska, it is the number one show probably in the Midwest in that in that region. I mean, there's really not a lot much else going on in Lincoln other than Husker football. And they have a rabid fan base that no matter if the team's 0-10 or 10-0, they're going to follow them. And I think their fans probably fall more on the historical resiliency that is Nebraska football. And what I mean by historical resiliency is that they're living in an era where Nebraska football in their mind is still Nebraska football of the past, where they are a nationally ranked team. They still have, you know, kids want to come there. People want to be part of it. They got the black shirt defense, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but it's going to be a fan base that the Buckeyes are going to walk into. And this will be the best environment that they've played in on the road um, up to date at this point. It is a, uh, it is a religious event, if you will, in Nebraska, there'll be people tailgating early. There'll be people coming to the game. They'll be ready to go. Um, and they're going to go as far as Adrian Martinez lets them go. And that's what's going to come down to it. Um, it's what it's been really in the whole Scott Frost era. 
has been with Adrian Martinez, who unfortunately, because there was another Martinez that played quarterback in Nebraska not too long ago, it feels like Adrian Martinez is in his 12th season as a quarter. <laughs> I think he and Aaron Rodgers have been the quarterbacks of their respective teams uh, as long as uh, each other. But right now, it's going to be a team that plays you know pretty good offensive football. Um, they're actually number two in the conference right now offensively that we'll talk about a little bit more. And But just has the issues with turning the football over. And it's been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde issue at quarterback for them. And then a defense that really str- that really does a nice job of choking out the run. Um, even last week against Purdue, Purdue had to go to the air a little bit more than they normally do uh, to be able to move the football down the field. And uh, it'll be an interesting uh, interesting matchup for the Buckeyes. I, uh, I think maybe we should just start right there offensively for uh, for Nebraska because, you know, at the, at the beginning of the season when they lost back-to-back games against Illinois, uh, the, the, the back-to-back losses came uh, after that. They, they lose to Illinois, they beat Fordham and Buffalo, but then they lost consecutive games to Oklahoma and Michigan State. Those were the games that maybe made me think, all right, is, is this finally starting to turn the corner with the super low bar of judging Nebraska thinking, you know, coming into this season, this team's not very good. And, and now, Hey, you know, didn't let Oklahoma run away from them. Um, Michigan state, who's proven to be a, you know, a a very good team uh, took overtime for them to, to fall short to Michigan state. Uh, And they played a, a pretty tight game against Michigan losing by only three points. Um, some of that I, I think has been good defense when they needed it, but they've been able to score. Uh, and as you said, now they've, they've got the number two offense in the conference. I don't think that, you know, when we first started the season that we'd be here in the beginning of November, I promise you, I would not have picked, uh, Nebraska as the number two offense in the league. So is it just because I'm sure there's a lot of components to it, but let's start with Adrian Martinez is the offense at Nebraska right now, as successful as they are, because Martinez runs the kind of show that most other schools don't, and it's just hard to, to scout it, you know, uh, appropriately. It is. Adrian Martinez is, is the difference maker for Nebraska. He is the player that decides how well they do. And that's the one thing that's weird about this Nebraska team. And I think Ryan Day opened with that this week, saying like, hey, I watched the film. This is a good football team. He's right. They're fundamentally sound on defense offensively speaking, they're gigantic up front. They've got a bunch of really big offensive linemen. They've got a humongous tight end um, in Austin Allen. He's six foot nine, 265 pounds. They're going to use him in the run game. They're going to try to throw him the football. Um, he's an extended offensive lineman, but a really good athlete. In addition, and also they're really big at the wide receiver position. And really, Adrian Martinez is the difference maker. And the reason he's a difference maker is he's going to force the defensive ends for the Buckeyes to play at home, to sit there, to read things. They're not going to be able to just tee off and go at this kid because he can run. He is the most electric running quarterback in the Big Ten. He's probably the best running quarterback we've seen maybe since either Maryland or Akron um, or a couple weeks uh, earlier. But what you're going to see from him is he's going to use extend plays with his eyes. He's going to extend plays with his legs. He's going to expend, extend legs, extend the plays. Say that 10 times fast. Extend plays <laughs> um, with, with a myriad of different ways. But in addition to that, also comes into it kind of that renegade where he's going to make some bad decisions. I mean, throwing an interception on a shovel pass last week, and it was it was an ill-advised deal, and it wasn't a design shovel pass by Scott Frost and his staff. It was one of those where he ran up to the line of scrimmage. He panicked. Oh, I'm going to make an ESPN play. And threw a cross-body shovel 
um, into the into the belly of a of a Purdue defender. So I think you're going to see him maybe try to be a little bit more guarded with the football against this opportunistic Ohio State defense and really give Nebraska a chance to stay in this game. They can run the football with Martinez. Um, they're two running backs. They've got they've got one big freshman, and then they've got a, a guy that they're going to go to who's not really like a – they're not a run-the-football type of Nebraska team uh, out of the gate. What I would expect to see out of this offense, though, is those little bubble screens we saw against Penn State that really started back with the Indiana game, and Penn State kind of adapted it to their game plan. Nebraska's big on the perimeter. They're big everywhere. I would not be shocked if there's a way that they try to do that early um, and really maybe even get into an empty set. Let Martinez be the guy who runs the football. If the Buckeyes have five in the box, I could see them running with Martinez. If the Buckeyes don't have five in the box or they, they have six in the box, they're going to shoot it out to the perimeter and let those big wide receivers and those big tight ends try to block up on the smaller secondary uh, of, of Ohio State. And that's going to be a way that they try to control the clock uh, and be able to go kind of with that in their in their uh, in their game plan. I remember, you know, when when it first came up against Indiana, you had made the comment basically, "Hey, these bubble screens." I, I get the impression the teams are going to try to do this to Ohio State until the Buckeyes can consistently prove they can stop it. If nothing else, it's just a way to get away from a defensive line that's gotten significantly better throughout the course of the season. Uh, and obviously we saw that against Penn State a little bit. I agree. I think we're going to try to see, you know, Nebraska uh, work that into their offense. But because of their offensive line, I, I guess I'm a little bit concerned about Ohio State at the point of attack this week, maybe more so than I have uh, have been since Oregon. The first two weeks of the season, Minnesota and Oregon pretty clearly had the two best offensive lines that the Buckeyes have seen, and, and you know now we're all the way into November. Um, huge, tough to move. They really leaned on you, and, and Ohio State didn't have a lot of tackles for loss at all through those first couple games. And, and you know, not surprisingly, when you faced a couple of good running backs, uh, those two games were difficult for the Buckeyes against Mo Ibrahim and then sort of the combination of C.J. Verdell and, and Travis Dye. I... I I, I'm not an offensive line guy the same way you are, so so enlighten us a bit. But I look at Nebraska's offensive line and think, okay, this is going to be a tough test for the Buckeyes at the line of scrimmage this week, probably more than they've had since, you know, frankly, early September. Yeah, and I, I think you made a great point, Brendan, you know, alluding to the Minnesota and Oregon offensive lines. Those are massive people that are going to lean on people going forward. Uh, Bryce Bernhardt and uh, Turner Corcoran, other two tackles, are both freshmen. But uh, the right tackle, the the Bernhardt kid's six foot nine. He's three hundred and thirty five pounds. The Corcoran kids played pretty well as a as a freshman at left tackle. Now I say he's a freshman. He was a freshman last year in the pandemic. He played one game for him, uh, but he's started every game for him this season. And then Matt Sichterman's the one guy that started every game for him. And, and the reason I bring up Sichterman, he's kind of a unique story. Uh, Sichterman is actually from Kings, which is on the northern end of Cincinnati. Uh, so to see that there's an Ohio kid starting on the offensive line uh, for Nebraska is kind of unique. Um, I believe if, if you really want to, well, with Paris Johnson, uh, depending on what lineup the Buckeyes roll out there, I was in a joke that Nebraska and Ohio State both are the same amount of Ohio kids starting on their offensive line. Uh, <laughs> but I say that uh, Sichterman, the reason I have to bring up Matt Sichterman, Sichterman is a really unique story. Matt Sichterman's a triplet. You talk about the most athletic group of triplets probably ever to come out of northern Cincinnati. Sichterman's brother is a scholarship football player at UConn. This is all in the same womb. 
Sichterman himself starts at Nebraska at all, on the offensive line. And then you have, I'm sorry, at, uh, at Iowa State. Sorry, Iowa State, Nebraska. And then the sister is a swimmer at Tennessee. So you're oh, talking about this yeah. incredible, this incredible womb that this this mother and father produced <laughs> to generate three Division One athletes um, is, is remarkable. And I, and Sichterman's played really well for them up front this year. Um, he's actually the little guy at 6'4", 295 pounds. Uh, but you know, <laughs> as, as you're looking at on the offensive line, they're they're going to be able to move the football. And, and where where Nebraska's missing this is Ramir Johnson is not the running back of. Nebraska years past. And I think Scott Frost wakes up in his Tom Frost pajamas every morning and, and, and he, he's like ready to go. Tom Frost, Tom Osborne. Uh, he wishes that was his last day. His Tom Osborne pajamas every morning. And he says, you know what? Like I'm at Nebraska. I'm in Lincoln. He had to convince his wife to move from Orlando to, to Lincoln, Nebraska and everything else. But when I, I say all that because they live in this tradition rich place. Sure. And they think at the end of the day, they still have those running backs of the past. Well, they don't. Those That running back they have is not the same guy. Where Martinez, on the extension of his legs, is going to be able to do this. That plays into the Buckeyes in this way. Ohio State struggled at the beginning of the year against these teams. The difference between those great offensive lines that we saw in Nebraska, or we saw, rather, with Minnesota and Oregon compared to Nebraska, the running back behind those offensive lines was really, really elite. And I think that you don't see that elite running back at, you know, for Nebraska. And I think until they have that elite uh, running back behind them, it's going to be tough for them to just run the football against Ohio State all day long. Matt Barnes has done a better job cultivating linebacker play without Washington. Where these guys have played more downhill, you're going to see them be very aggressive uh, and really meet these guys at the point of attack. They're not, you know, you know, Ground and pound, uh, the freshman zero, his name escapes me right now, that they have is an enormous running back watching him on film. But, I mean, the Buckeyes are going to be able to bring him down. They're tackling significantly better than they were in the aforementioned games of Minnesota and Oregon. So I think what you're going to see, though, is a lot of zone read with Martinez. And, and they're going to try to read Harrison. They're going to read Smith. They're going to read Sawyer. They're going to read JTT. They're going to keep those guys at bay right now because – yeah, their offensive line's great, but also when they're watching film and you're sitting there with that clicker and you're looking and you go, whoa, whoa. Eric <laughs> Kid's pretty good. Cage is playing better. Antoine Jackson's really good. Like, you're watching this and you go, so we can block those guys on the perimeter, right? Okay, cool. Let's get the ball up there. <laughs> I, I think really that's where they're going to get into that. And you're going to see them open that up. And the reason I say that is this. This Ohio State defense has been vulnerable on the perimeter in the run game all season long. And I use that bubble screen game as the as the perimeter game, as I say the outside running the football. Let's date back to two months ago or a month and a half ago. What was the issue we were worried about? One by three into the boundary, pin and pull into the boundary, and everybody ran it. Everybody ran it. Everybody ran it. Tulsa tried to manufacture it, and then all of a sudden, teams start running it against the Buckeyes. Why? They adjust it. They adjust it. They went from... They went from a middle of the field closed or middle field open um, or closed to a middle field open defense, which allowed them to have more help in the, in the alleys to go defend the run there. So by doing that, they adjusted. And it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to these bubbles. I, I would be shocked. And I, I will I will be the first person to eat crow. You know, when we discuss this game afterwards, if Nebraska ends up not throwing the ball in the perimeter, I legitimately will go, well, I was wrong, Scott Frost. You got this thing figured out. But 
when I when I say that, I, I think that they're really going to try to attack the Buckeyes that way. I do think they're going to try to lean on them early. They're going to run counter. They're going to get in 12 personnel. They're going to get in unbalanced sets. They're going to try to create unnatural gaps to run the football against Ohio State because legitimately, defensively, they're not going to be able to defend the pass game, I think, well enough against Ohio State. And I think this is where they're sitting there and Scott Frost goes, I can't get in a track meet. We're at home. I'm hanging on by a thread. And the fact that I played here is like the only other thing that they have right now. And the fact that Trev Albert's like name isn't even done on his uh, office yet. And he's got to go fire me as a head football coach. So it's a very interesting time um, for Nebraska football. And, and Brendan, you're going to have a front seat to a very contentious Big Ten noon matchup. Yeah, looking forward to that for sure. Uh, speaking of coaches in the Big Ten, we can talk about this here in a bit. But obviously the big news this week, P.J. Fleck gets a – a big extension at Minnesota. Not terribly surprised. Um, I, I think Minnesota wants to try to keep him as long as they can. And that's uh, that's a program that after week one, you know, playing a, a competitive game with Ohio State, but after losing Mo Ibrahim, uh, I don't know if they really thought they had Big Ten championship game caliber play. Uh, and here we are in November, and they are very much uh, in contention to, to get to Indianapolis in that race. But we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. Um, obviously, the big news here in the last 24 hours with Ohio State is news that, um, you know, it w- was kind of uh, uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit with C.J. Stroud uh, in him detailing yesterday a little bit more about his shoulder injury. You know, I think everybody's sort of known that his shoulder's been bothering him. But he he basically said it was two different things. He he had kind of strained his rotator cuff early on, um, but actually separated his shoulder in the Minnesota game in the opener. Uh, and so a lot of the times when he's kind of working that shoulder on the sideline, it wasn't you know it wasn't really the rotator cuff issue as much as it was he sustained a, a hit that uh, obviously showed his toughness. Because I got to be honest, off the top of my head, I can't even remember you know, the hit that, that did that to him. Um, thankfully, you know, ever since taking the Akron game off and, and spending a little time getting healthy and strengthening sort of the muscles around that, you know, he's looked extremely solid. He hasn't thrown an interception in, uh, you know, over a month at this point, he's got 15 touchdown passes in that stretch. And uh, we're talking about a guy that's kind of inserted himself into the Heisman candidacy race. Um you know, offensively for the Buckeyes, I, I I like Ohio State when they play just about everybody in the country. But what are some of the unique challenges that C.J. Stroud might face here this week? Legitimately, it'll be it'll be quarterback pressure. You know, I, I think up front their defensive line. You know, Ben Stiles started more games than anybody um, at Nebraska right now, so they've got a they've got a pretty experienced defensive line. They're going to bring Luke Reimer and and some blitz stuff as well. Um, and then really the other person that you look at is is. Uh, Jojo Doman, uh, who's their nickel player. He, he's a really extensive player. They use him in the blitz packages. They drop him into coverage. He's really kind of a – he's a bigger Ronnie Hickman. He's a, he's a six foot one, six foot two, 230-pound kid. When you watch the film, they're going to use him everywhere. They feel he could cover people. Uh, they feel he's uh, pretty good. Uh, Ed's glacing him up this morning. I love it, Ed. He's going to go run behind the Gophers for P.J. Fleck. Just as long as you don't play against an Ohio team. Apparently, the Minnesota Golden Gophers cannot beat anybody from Ohio. There's the Buckeyes and the Falcons of Bowling Green State University to be the two losses of this Minnesota team at this point in their season. Uh, But really, you're going to see him do that. And then, um, you know, in the secondary, you know, the person that they're going to depend on to try to be 
you know, the guy to try to cover guys is going to be Markel Dismuke. You know, Markel Dismuke has has a lot of starts under his belt. Um, I, I think he's I think he's got 31 starts uh, for that secondary as well. Um, but those are going to be the ways that Nebraska goes at C.J. Stroud. They're going to have to cultivate blitzes. They're going to have to, you know, rotate in different coverages. And really, you know, one of the things C.J. Stroud always jokes about and every time that he talks to the media is, well, I prepare to play one game all in the entire week. And then I get out there and they give me a completely different look. So uh, the one thing good about that by saying that is that there's only so many different ways you could line up and play defense. Uh, there's only so many different coverages you can run. At this point in the season, uh, CJ has seen enough of the different defenses where Ryan Day and his staff have prepared this young man to know how to attack different defenses and giving him options and all the different passing routes and different concepts that they're in right now. I think that's what you're going to see. Um, you're also going to see Ohio State Try to establish the run early, and the reason I say that is nobody has really been able to do that against this Nebraska defense. Uh, they pride themselves on the black shirts. It's a, it's a tradition that they started uh, back in the 80s uh, where legitimately if you were on the defense, you were the only people in the facility that could wear a shirt that was black. Mm-hmm. It has a little skull and crossbones and everything else. And, um, you know, kids that grew up in Nebraska that were walk-ons that became black shirts, like – it's like this whole big cult religious thing that they have going there uh, that's really unique. And uh, defensively, this is probably the best defense they've had since, I would say, probably 2016 uh, right now for this Nebraska team. So you're going to see them try to st- stop the run. But where I really see C.J. Stroud extending plays is he has to be more accurate in the RPO game this week. Um, everyone that has played against Nebraska this year has, has sliced them and diced them uh, with different run pass options. And – with the shoulder injury, maybe not be afraid to run C.J. Stroud a couple times. I'm not asking for the uh, I'm not asking for Ohio State to come out and make this like a J.T. Barrett type of game plan. But what I would like to see is maybe Stroud run the ball a couple times because it's gonna you know as you're saying it's gonna alleviate the stress that goes on Travion Henderson in this offensive line. Everybody walks in every game against the Buckeyes, and you know Travion Henderson's averaging seven point nine yards a carry still. You know, he's a little bit over 100 yards a game because, you know, he hasn't had to play a lot for the Buckeyes. But what you're going to see is how many times you really want to give the ball to Travion Henderson. How many times can the Buckeyes generate six, seven yards with Mayan Williams um, and from that standpoint? So it'll be interesting from there. But if you get a couple runs with Stroud, and I'm not saying like we have design runs where we're running quarterback counter and all this other stuff and beating him up with his shoulder. But, hey, it's okay to cross that line of scrimmage. I know I joked last week about the dog collar issue, um, that, the, that there's a buzzer on his, on his shoulder pads that let him know when he gets the line of scrimmage, like throw the ball, don't run. Like, don't be afraid to go five, six yards. You're allowed to slide. They're going to protect you uh, from that standpoint with this Big Ten officiating crew. I, uh, as the season has gone along, it's one of the very few things about CJ's game that I have felt like I need to see more from him. I, I I understand the, you know, the desire to extend plays. He's obviously mobile, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even come close to calling him a running quarterback because we really haven't seen him do it much. I mean, I, I can only think of a couple times all year that he's actually taken off. You know, I, I would like to see a little bit more of that from him, but to your point, it, I, I'm not looking for a JT Barrett type thing. CJ's arm is his best asset. So use it. Um, but when the defense is giving you essentially five or seven free yards, take it, you know, and, and, and I think I'm generally confident that he's going to start to see that, um, you know, I just, you don't really know how much pain he's playing with. I know he says he's close to a hundred percent, 
what, what's he supposed to say? You know, he, he's obviously looked better, so I believe that he feels much healthier. But, like, man, when, you, when you've been playing with a bum shoulder, the last thing you want to do is put yourself in a situation where you're going to, you know, be playing with, with a sore shoulder and meaningful games at the end of the year. So I think there's always that little voice in the back of your head that, that kind of tells you, like, you know, hey, don't run this or don't do that because that's too vulnerable a situation. And he's obviously proving to be an incredibly valuable player for, for Ohio State's offense. Uh, but I, I would like to see him run a little bit more. And I think um, there's more to that about the quarterback position, Brendan, with the running aspect of it. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there today that don't want to run the football, not because they can't, not because they're not good at it, but because they feel it's a slight on who they are. I think they, when you look at a quarterback that is taking off and running, they go, well, they can't do that in the NFL. They can't do that. They can't do it. You know what? Like, a guy doesn't have to go run the football to be amazing. Like, I alluded to Aaron Rodgers earlier in the game. There are not many NFL teams that wouldn't want to have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. Did Aaron Rodgers run the ball a bunch in the game? No. <clears throat> he, he extends plays with his, with his arm and with his mind and what CJ is doing. But what you and I are talking about, just to clarify for, for everyone that's listening, what we're asking for is that if C.J. Stroud is at the line of scrimmage and he has three, you know, or has two Buckeyes in front of him and one defender, like, go behind those guys cool. and run. Just go. Um, your offensive line is not going to be upset about that. Um, there's going to be nobody upset about that. Sure. And really, when he does that, unless he's going deep on those extended throws, like, legitimately, go take a couple yards, be smart with it, and take off. I mean, you're going to go – we're going to see this weekend a quarterback for Nebraska – that's going to run, he's going to throw, he's going to do a bunch of other stuff, but it's also going to be the ebb and flow of, oh, 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 you know, like, you know, yeah, he did this. Oh, then he did this. You know, he literally will make a highlight play on one play and then the next play, he's going to gut them. C.J. Stroud has kind of managed the game for the Buckeyes right now. Um, you know, hopefully he's going to be a little bit more accurate this weekend and get an opportunity to set his feet, throw the football to this elite receiver core uh, that I think is going to go off um, on Saturday. When Scott Frost's team is at its best, what does that look like? When a Scott Frost team is at its best, it looks like a three-and-out defense, and it looks like a team that's controlling the clock, controlling the line of scrimmage, and has the ability to, to throw intermediate passes. Not big explosive passes, intermediate passes. Scott Frost made a living at UCF in this RPO game and that run-pass option, and I know people are so sick of hearing about RPOs, but, but what it is is it really is an extension of your run game. And when you're not as you're not able to just line up and knock people off the football, every team when they line up against you defensively is going to bring an extra guy in. Nebraska is going to have to be able to extend the ball, extend the drives with smaller passes, intermediate passes, six to ten yard passes, as well as running the football, and then having a defense that does not allow you to run the football on them and keeps everything in front of them. And when Scott Frost could do that, and then finally, this is one thing that I know a lot of people are going to say executing in the special teams games. When you watch Nebraska this season, they have had a multitude of penalties in special teams plays that have resulted in different ways that have kind of cost them games. They're such their team that has been so close. I don't think they've lost a game by more than a touchdown this season. They mm -hmm. like you said in the opener, they've played four teams that are in the top 10 in the college football playoff right now and or they're going to have played four when they play the Buckeyes this weekend. And those three teams that they've already played, they've lost within a touchdown of each one of those. They're going to be able to hang with almost anybody. They're a tough team. They're a physical team. They, they hang around. They hang around. They hang around when they don't turn the football over. 
It has to be the number one caveat this weekend for the Cornhuskers against Ohio State. Protect the football. This is, this is what he probably rolled up with. You get the three. Protect the football. Protect our house. And protect our tradition. And, like, that way the players, like, look at it. They embrace it. They start fighting this. Because at the end of the day, like, these kids look at Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State. I would be shocked if Scott Frost didn't give them a history lesson this weekend. You know, this week leading up to this game. You know, the head coach gets a little time for every team meeting. Do you know that we have more All-Americans in Ohio State? Do you know that we have 27 10-win seasons just like them? Do you know that we have All-Americans and, and Heisman trophies and national championships? And Joe's like these old highlights of, you know, I'm on green. Oh, you know, like oh, whatever it may be, these different historic <laughs> Nebraska calls that they're going to be able to have to kind of engender that, that history. And, and I hope that gets those guys ready to play. Because here's the thing. Ohio State is the hunted. And every single week, these teams are going to come ready to play these guys. It's going to be really exciting to watch. And and I think, like you said earlier, uh, off air to Brendan, I think Nebraska is going to keep this one closer than, than a lot of people think it will be. We'll give our final score predictions here in, in a couple of minutes. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I look at this game and think, based on what you just said there, six to ten yard passes, you know, try to control the clock a little bit. Um, man, there's a little bit of an Oregon feel to the way if that's if that's them at their best mobile quarterback who doesn't have to take deep downfield shots big offensive line hard to move um i i i'm having not full-blown ptsd but i am i am feeling like there are enough common themes between what oregon did to the buckeyes and what nebraska likes to do wants to do and will try to do against ohio state now, it's one thing to sit there and say, hey, we're going to try to do that. And and it's another thing to actually go out and, and execute it. I think Ohio State has better athletes than Nebraska does. And I think Ohio State's their, their scheme's better, their coaching's better than it was in week two. So I'm, I'm not I'm not like full-blown concerned. But I agree with you. I think this game is going to be a little bit tighter. Um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about the Buckeyes running up 50 points and Nebraska maybe scoring – you know, 17 or 20 or something in that ballpark. I, I just have a hard time seeing the game get to that level. The other thing that I have a difficult time, you know, predicting, um, defensive scores have become kind of commonplace for Ohio State this year. They've got six and eight games, but I, I just feel like that's so erratic. You know, th they are obviously capable of, uh, you know, of scoring on the defensive side of the football, but it's, it's kind of hard for me to feel like I'm accurately predicting something like that, uh, but I could certainly see where a defensive score would give Ohio State a little bit more breathing room because that is that's been the case this year, right? That for the most part, the defensive touchdowns that Ohio State has has put on the board have been scores that have given them a chance to take a deep breath, not hey we're tightening the game up like really really needed that leaning on that you know six points. Um, last week was huge, but the defensive score came when Ohio State was already leading. Uh, that was probably the most impactful defensive touchdown they've scored all year, the, the one against Penn State. Um, but I, I, I agree with you, man. I mean, I think this game is it's going to be fairly competitive. And because Nebraska has an offense that tends to keep the clock moving, I think it's going to be difficult for Ohio State to throw up an insane amount of points offensively. That said, I don't think 
the Buckeyes are going to struggle in the red zone offensively this week, the way they did last week. So um, there's probably some sort of happy medium in there for me. Did I lose you? I did. (laughs) Well, that's no good. We'll get, uh, we'll get Z back here in just a moment. Um, And in the meantime, I'll take that bar off my face. (laughs) Um, If we're going to give final score predictions while he's uh, trying to reconnect here, um, I think probably kind of where my head and my heart are at are are like a 38 to 20 win for Ohio state. Um, uh, I think I've said it in the past. I'm, I'm never, never comfortable shooting the under on a college football game, but I I think maybe this week, uh, I think maybe this week is the week for that 38, uh, 38 to 20. I think Ohio state will win. And cover the 14-point spread, um, you know, a Nebraska team that that uh, probably feels like they kind of desperately need a signature win, not just this year, but perhaps a signature win in, in a Scott Frost era in the first place. Um, I don't think it's coming this week, but I certainly think there's a chance that the Buckeyes are going to have some offensive struggles here and there. All right. We got you back, Z. We got kicked out. <laughs> well, Ridiculous. Well, bringing you back in. I just gave my final score prediction 38 to 20. I think Ohio State, uh, Ohio State's going to be right in that ballpark. I say, don't give me it. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Buckeyes 34, uh, Nebraska. Nebraska, that 34 is late. I'm going to say it's going to be close going into the third quarter here, uh, but I'll say 34 to 21. So 34 21 will be my final. Um, I think Nebraska will keep this game close in the first half. I think they'll fight tooth and nail with the Buckeyes. I think the Buckeyes will continue to fight through this uh, and try to find their best way to get it done. And um, I think at the end, they'll, they'll be able to extend it. Uh, Martinez will panic uh, like he has the last couple of weeks. And um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to call Buckeye defensive score. And the Buckeye defensive score is going to be um, Corey Simon. Going to have a, it's going to have a, uh, a way. Simon this week. Interesting. Corey going to be my, my Buckeye to get in the end zone this weekend on defense, uh, from that standpoint. So, all right. We'll see if Cody can pull it off. Yeah. Um, there are, uh, we've got a few minutes left. I want to talk Big Ten, uh, games around the, the conference this week because there's, there are a couple that I think are really, uh, you know, potential to be entertaining. Um, and we should definitely start with Michigan State Purdue. Um, you know, Purdue for not being ranked is a very good team. Obviously, they beat Iowa, and, and people saw that. Um, you know, is Michigan State really the third best team in college football? I'm a little hard-pressed to believe that. Are they deserving of a number three ranking right now? I'd say absolutely. Um, but I think there's a difference between being ranked number three and being the third best team. Um I am not surprised at all that the line in that game is only three points, and I could absolutely see Purdue upsetting Michigan State. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Sparty. I think they run the ball too well. Uh, Purdue's going to try to stop the run. I know there's a proverbial hangover coming off of a big win against a team like Michigan, uh, but I am uh, I am all in right now on uh, on Michigan State. I think they're playing really good football. I just don't think producing have the defense to be able to stop them. I'm going to take Michigan State to not only win, but also, as you said, three points. I'll take the Spartans to cover. I um, let me be clear. Uh, I am not predicting an upset, but I will not be <laughs> stunned if I see an upset. I think Purdue's defense 
is sneaky good. Uh, and, and the Buckeyes are going to have a, a, a tougher test next week than maybe we would have expected earlier in the season. Um, but Michigan State's going to have their hands full this weekend for sure. Uh, Wisconsin Rutgers. You know, that's kind of an interesting deal because Rutgers isn't terrible. They're, they're four and four. Uh, and Wisconsin is starting to figure it out a little bit. And in many ways, Wisconsin controls their own destiny. They keep winning. They're going to be in Indianapolis. Um, they've won five in a row and, you know, starting to look like maybe Wisconsin is figuring it out because their defense has carried the way for them. The offense is catching up a little bit. That could be a game that that has major playoff implications for uh, for a Big Ten title game. So who, who are you going with? I, I'm going to take Wisconsin. Okay. But I, I expect Rutgers to play him tight. The reason I ask that is because Brendan and I joke off air uh, that there's not a bigger Wisconsin hater than Brendan Gulick in the country right now. I like so. the Badgers. Come on now. <laughs> I just don't uh, believe in their I, offense. I, yeah, there's only so much wood to chop. I, I got to go to the Badgers. I, I think they're going to be ready to go. They're, they're playing much better football. They're so sick of hearing everybody just say how bad they've been and how how like much of a disappointment they've been. And we look back at it. They, they've lost to some good football teams, and, and they beat up on – I still think Iowa's a decent, a really good football team. They, I mean, they manhandled them. So uh, I'm going to go Wisconsin over over Rutgers there. Iowa Northwestern is an interesting one this weekend because, you know, Iowa uh, very clearly has no breathing room left. Right, their only path forward here is is to keep winning if they're going to get to Indianapolis, and it's it's amazing how fast you can fall from grace. You know, they they. Uh, they come up with this huge win on their home field against Penn State and just nosedive and explode since then uh, against a Northwestern team that, you know, unfortunately might be the worst team in the Big Ten this year, um, which I think is a bit is a bit of a surprise. And, and I think it just had a lot to do, in my opinion, with their, their linebacking uh, core not playing nearly at the same level they were last year. Um, I'm not sure Northwestern's got the dogs to, to beat Iowa, but I think this game means a lot more to Iowa than it does to Northwestern, and they can't afford to fumble it away. Yeah, Brendan, I think if this was field hockey, it'd be a primetime game, but uh, I'm going I'm to take the Hawkeyes. I'm going I'm to take the Hawkeyes, um, you know, pretty comfortably. Uh, Northwestern's still trying to struggle to find their identity defensively, offensively. Um, Andrew Marty, the, the kid from Wyoming, is, is their quarterback right now um, and really is uh, was kind of not the guy I think going into the season they thought would be, so – um, you know, obviously, uh, I'll take the Hawkeyes. Illinois and uh, Minnesota. Again, a Minnesota team that, you know, suddenly has found themselves right in the thick of things in the Big Ten West against an Illinois side that was riding high after a win over Penn State and then uh, lost to Rutgers last week. Uh, so much for that high. Um, you know, I, I'm just not a believer in Illinois yet. I think this is a, a game Minnesota should handle. The spread is actually two touchdowns. It's 14 and a half. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota wins and covers the spread. Well, I'm going to take, I was going to take the Gophers. Whenever a head coach gets a contract extension that week, that means he was doing things that were not head coach related. I'm going to say that Minnesota wins this game, but they don't win it by as much as the wise guys think. I'm going to wow. take, uh, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the Gophers. Gophers by nine. Okay. All right. Uh, Penn State, Maryland. <sighs> Maryland doesn't have much to play for at this point. It's, it's for pride. Um, Penn State's deal is real interesting right now because, you know, let, let's let's play the what-if game for a second here. If Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt against Iowa, 
they were they were starting to pull away from Iowa, and then things completely crumbled. I am convinced that if Penn State doesn't lose to Iowa, and they go into the Illinois game at home, still with with their hopes and dreams intact, I don't think they lose to Illinois. And then all of a sudden, last week's game is looked at in a totally different light against the Buckeyes. Uh, and, you know, instead of people saying, oh, well, they, they beat a two-loss Penn State team that fell to number 20 in the country, uh, now people are like, well, the Buckeyes just beat a top-five team. Um, so I, I think, I mean, look, you are what your record says you are, and obviously Sean Clifford did get hurt, but he is healthy now. Um, I, I'm interested to see how Penn State responds because there's still going to be all this controversy swimming around James Franklin, you know, maybe taking a different job because he won't, straight out shoot down a USC job publicly. Um, I'm I'm interested to watch the Nittany Lions the rest of the year. I think they beat Maryland based on just talent alone on the defensive side. I agree a thousand percent with you, Brendan. There's so much going on in Happy Valley. You're coming off this loss. Um, You know, the the hype on this program at this time was so great. And, And James Franklin, he's talking to recruits every single night of the week. There hasn't been a recruit that's publicly come out yet and said, Coach Franklin told me he's staying at Penn State. Like, that hasn't happened yet. Traditionally, right. when there's a, all this chatter and all these different things happening, that's what happens. Instead, P.J. Fleck went to his agent and said, well, you know, let him know my wristbands and oars are going to be dropping into the Pacific Ocean. Let him know I'm going <laughs> to L.A. And, like, so then they're like, all right, here's a seven-year deal. Um, you're going to be the head coach here until, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I mean, seven-year deal is ridiculous from that standpoint. Um, and Penn State's not rolling out a seven-year deal for James Franklin. So what, what I think you're going to see is a Penn State team that's going to beat up on Maryland just because they're better than them. Uh, that Maryland team we saw earlier in the season was bad and has only gotten worse since then. Only other game this week is uh, a game that probably will not be very competitive. Michigan is favored by 20 over Indiana. Um you know, look, I, I still think Indiana's got some good players and they've got, you know, um, some talent. They just don't have it at the quarterback spot right now. And they, they clearly didn't have the depth behind Penix. And no matter who's been playing quarterback, uh, the, the, the Hoosiers just haven't been able to figure it out. So I, I don't really expect Michigan to stub its toe this week. Yeah, I think they're going to come off this game. It's going to start off a little bit slow. Um, you know, there's going to be an interesting you know storyline <laughs> in, in the coaching world. Mike Hart actually spent the last couple of years as the assistant head coach in Indiana. He left this offseason after Indiana beat Michigan last year to go back home to Michigan. Um, you know, close friends with the, who originally Mike DeBoer, who were, were still in our prayers. He's in recovery right now uh, from, a, from a medical issue he had earlier in the season. And then, uh, you know, Nick Sheridan is the OC for the, uh, the Hoosiers, is also a former Wolverine. So there's a lot of, a lot of incestuous uh, uh, relationships there in, in that regard. It'll be interesting to see kind of how they go. Uh, but I think Michigan will be able to pull away at the end just because of their ability to run the football against the Indiana defense that's been battered this season. All right, final thoughts on Ohio State and Nebraska. Again, the Buckeyes, uh, 11 a.m. local, 12 noon kick. It was nice to see. There were already uh, a number of fans on my flight yesterday. I was, I was a little surprised they were flying out on Thursday, but uh, I, I know the Buckeyes are going to come represent in Lincoln for uh, a, a, an afternoon game in the Midwest where they don't often get a chance to play the, the Huskers on the road in the afternoon. Your final thoughts coming into this game? You know, the same sentiments that I said Scott Frost is echoing to his team, protect the football. Protect the football and and have the ability 
to be opportunistic. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities both on offense, defense, and in special teams against this team where Ohio State's athletic superiority should be able to over should be able to be demonstrated uh, and celebrated. And I think when they can do that, for example, you know, big runs, big passes, uh, big hits in the backfield, interceptions, you know, gaining extra yards and that hidden aspect of the special teams uh, facet of the game. If they can do all three of those things, I think they can handle Nebraska pretty handily and let them know, really, and I, I joke, and if anybody that I played with that's on here or that I coach, uh, they're laughing. I always tell, whenever I was in a game, I always said, let them know they're in a game they can't win. And, and that's what I think Ohio State needs to do early in this game and really kind of put to bed their fans, as you know, last week against Purdue. Um, they, they started booing when they were down 10 late in that game. You know, Nebraska rallies back. The onside kick, I still don't know how they didn't recover that. I mean, legitimately, there was a Nebraska kick on top of it. In the fetal position, somehow it came out as Purdue's football. I don't know. However, that happened. Uh, but, no, this Nebraska team, uh, don't give them an inch. Don't let them get into this game and make them believe that they can hang around because they are a tough football team. Get on them early and put them away early, and let's go forward and, uh, and do what this team is destined to do. I'll tell you what, I got one more for you since we didn't have a chance to pick your brain earlier this week when it came out. Uh, you know my opinion. I really liked the college football playoff committee's uh, initial rankings. I, I thought they actually nailed it with the exception that I would have put undefeated Michigan State in front of one loss Alabama. Other than that, I was pretty good with it. Uh, give us your thoughts on, on what you thought on uh, Tuesday night when you saw those rankings come out. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was uh, political. I thought it was a very political move. I think they put Michigan State at three right there. I don't think they believe Michigan State's the third best team in the country. And I also don't think they think Oregon's the fourth best ranked team in the country. But their thought is this. Oregon, they feel, is still going to lose another game. Ohio State is going to play Michigan State, so that'll kind of remedy that one. It also sets them up to allow Ohio State, because at the end of the day, you said, Brendan, you just got on a flight to Lincoln, Nebraska on a Thursday uh, out of Ohio. Well, guess what? You got on that flight out of Ohio. There were Ohio State fans on that. Like, what Ohio State fans taking off work on Friday to go, well, I'm just going to go out to Lincoln, Nebraska to go watch the bucket. We have some of the best fans in the world, no matter regardless of sport, regardless of level, they're going to travel anywhere. I mean, you could tell, you could put the college football playoff in Baghdad and there'll be Buckeye fans there to go watch this game. I mean, this is, it's a rabid fan base. The college football playoff, they want to see Ohio State in it. And by putting Michigan State third, it gives them the ability to say when Ohio State potentially beats Michigan State down the road, now you can, you can leapfrog Oregon with that uh, from that standpoint. I agreed with Oklahoma being back. Um, Unfortunately for Cincinnati, I think that they look at this game, that Notre Dame win that was huge at the time does not look as, as strong as it did originally, and it's going to be very interesting going forward. I think Alabama at two, I agree with. Alabama had one bad game against Texas A&M and still almost beat them, uh, and that Texas A&M team is a good football team, and I think they, they are where they belong uh, up there. I, Georgia, obviously, at number one, was, it was an easy pick for anybody in the country. Um, and then the other one is, the one question or issue I have with this is Wake Forest. Wake Forest is undefeated. Wake Forest is the Demon Deacons. I think if Wake Forest is wearing Clemson's uniform and have the same resume that they have, that Wake Forest has, I think they get probably bumped up a little bit more. I think, unfortunately, because Wake Forest's brand, especially in college football, is not that great. I mean, realistically, when you think about great Wake Forest players, people's minds probably go to like Chris Paul. I mean, there's not like a, there's not, you know, and that's on the hoops. You know, I don't think there's a yeah. lot of like that, oh, the Wake Forest, great, you know, greats from that standpoint. Maybe they love Joe Zelink of the old long snapper who spent 14 years in the NFL, <laughs> a former Benedict and Bengal. But I, realistically, I, I think that you're going to see um, this really play out. I think they did a nice job and it gives a lot to talk about going forward. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll continue to hit on, on that uh, this upcoming week. 
Tuesday nights are the uh, the nights that we see uh, the new college football playoff selection committee rankings. So we'll uh, we'll touch on that when the time comes. But in the meantime, we've both predicted uh, fairly competitive Ohio State Nebraska games. Uh, one more time, I was thirty eight twenty. You were thirty four twenty one. Correct. All right. All right. So we're we're expecting to see a, a good game on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we will be there. We'll we'll have the post game press conference for you streaming live, and then we'll do our instant analysis. Uh, from the university uh, coming up. Uh, I guess it'll be roughly, call it 3 o'clock Eastern time by the time we can get that going, but uh, a chance to, to chat with us post game and share your thoughts from what we hope will be another Ohio State win. Uh, the Buckeyes certainly favored against Nebraska, but they've got to go out and actually execute it. So we'll see what happens. For Tommy Zagorski, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for joining us on Friday morning. We'll see you real soon. Ohio State, Nebraska. It's the fourth to last regular season game. November football is finally here. We'll cover it all the way for you at Buckeyes. Now.